But I am grateful that I get to share this message with you today. And we've been in a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And over the past four weeks, we've been talking about what Jesus' words are about what it means to be a true disciple and follower of Jesus. And you see, I think sometimes we think that, you know, we see scripture and um, holy smokes, there's a lot of things that we're like, wow, this is a lot for me to process. And what Jesus is wanting to us, us to understand this morning is that it's not just about behavior modification, but he actually wants us to experience true transformation in our life. That's why he gave this sermon. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about some really intense topics. We've talked about sexuality, we've talked about divorce, anger, and we've even talked about murder. And so we're just gonna dive right in today. So <laughs> we're gonna dive into the book of Matthew. Will you turn there with me? Matthew chapter five, Verses 38 through 48. Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. And it says this. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love those only who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you any different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. Be perfect, guys. That's it. That's it right there. No. Uh, I, when I read this passage, when Matt gave me this passage that I was going to be preaching on Mother's Day, I was like, is there, could there be a worse thing to say to moms? Just be perfect. You know, just like, if culture's not telling you already that you need to be perfect, here's Jesus. No, but we're going to unpack what that means. You know, as I was reading through this, I really struggled through aspects of this passage. And I think sometimes we come to church and we hear about Jesus and we actually, you know, say we want a relationship with Jesus. But then we hear what he says and we ask ourselves, do I really want Jesus that bad? Do I really want to change who I am, parts of who I am that have been with me since I was born? Do I really want to change parts of me that bad? much. And to be honest, there are times when I read scripture and hear what Jesus is saying, like this passage, and think, I don't know if this applies to me. I don't really know if this passage is something that I have to really change, nor can I change really that much about myself. And if I'm honest, sometimes I'm left with more questions than answers when I read the words of Jesus. And you might be like me as I was reading this passage to you this morning. You might be thinking to me, Holly, I'm just trying to make it through today. I'm just trying to like make it to seven o'clock when I can sit down and watch TV and just disconnect. And I wanna let you know, I'm also right in that with you. I know um, that I'm not the only one in this room that would say, 
man, we're just trying to make it through today. And Jesus, you're telling me that I need to not only be perfect, but let someone slap the other cheek and love my enemies. And you would be uh, in the same camp as me and thinking, what on earth is he possibly talking about? And how do we actually live like that? And I want to be real. Some days I'm, I'm just not trying to like freak out at my husband and not let the dishes pile up. Like, to be honest, this new mother thing, I'm like, I understand this in a whole new way now, <laughs> juggling the complexity of life. And, you know, some days I just want a Starbucks coffee. Who loves Starbucks? Yeah, I knew Abby, I got you. Yeah, I knew Abby was going to raise her hand. She loves Starbucks with me. But, you know, sometimes I pull around the Starbucks and I'm like, this is all I wanted today. I just, I, I literally had to spend 30 minutes getting lively in her car seat just to go to Starbucks because I wanted a Starbucks. And I pull around the corner and there's 75 cars in the parking lot. And I have to wait 45 minutes to get my coffee. And I'm just like, you know what, forget it. I just, you know, I just don't even want to spend the time to do that. Do you ever like feel like that? Like, do you ever feel like, can I just catch a break? Can I just have one conversation with my spouse and have it not turn into a fight? <laughs> Can I just walk into work one day and not have someone gossip to me about this person at this desk and have to like figure out how to keep the drama low? Like, can't you just catch a break once in a while? And I want to let you know that I'm 100% with you in this. I feel this too. And, but as I sat with this passage this week, to be honest, struggled through a lot of it. I want to pose to you today that the things that we are going to talk about today have the ability to profoundly change the way that you interact with people around you and the way that you see the world. You see, Jesus is saying this truly lived out can change everything. And the whole Sermon on the Mount has been leading to this point. And this is really Jesus's message of the entire like, book of the New Testament. When he talks about, he's talking about love. And the title of the sermon today is, What's Love Got to Deal With It? Well, everything. Like, this is at the core of Jesus' message. So much so, we see in John 13, 35, you'll see this on the screen. Jesus says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus was intentionally challenging the way that the disciples naturally interacted with people. And I think that we have something that we need to learn from this today. You see, in the time that Jesus was giving this message, the religious leaders at the time kept taking these passages out of context. You see, these are Old Testament laws. And even in verse 38, it says, you have heard the law say. The reason Jesus said this is because um, there were laws in the Old Testament that gave instruction on how to deal with people. But they consistently took them out of context, like humans do. We uh, Things are never as clear and cut as we would like to think. And to be honest, I think we have the tendency to be stingy and selective with our love that we give to people. And you know what? Jesus steps into this conversation and he says something like, love your enemies or give twice as much of what was asked of you. And then we're thinking, I don't even really know if I've seen a love like that before. And you know what? I think part of the problem is, this, this, this is for me is I read a passage like this and I think there's no way we can possibly integrate this into our lives on top of all the other things that we're trying to keep going. And you want to know why I think that is? I think it's because we are spent. We have nothing left to give. We're living life on empty. And I think that we can assume that we can't possibly mean that Jesus 
was actually saying be perfect and love your enemy. Like, I think sometimes we think he speaks in hypotheticals, but he's actually being serious in this. And when he says love your enemies, he's not like saying like, I love pizza. Like, I love pizza. But he's not saying a love like that. He's saying like a deep, authentic, real love. Let me illustrate a little bit um, what I think happens, where, the, where the, I think the breakdown is. So I love a good illustration. I, my first job in ministry was a children's pastor, and so I, I know how to speak to children, and I'm going to speak in a way that makes sense to me about this topic. And so you see this bucket. Okay, so this is a jug of water, and this re represents, the water in here represents the amount of love that we have to give in an every given day. So like situations that call us to give to it. So we have our spouse, if you're married, our kids, our jobs, our pets, if you are like, man, I'm dedicated to my pets. If you have like friends, house projects, and oh, by the way, your spiritual lives, <laughs> that we're all pouring into these things. And you can see where the breakdown happens. And in and of ourselves alone, we only have a limited amount of love and energy that we can give to things. So in a day, let's just say you wake up in the morning and you have to interact with your spouse. You get to interact with your spouse and like wish them off and have a good day. And then you have to get your kids on the bus, which I've heard if, I mean, if it's anything like having a baby, I can't imagine getting your kids on a bus. That's crazy. So you put a lot of energy in getting them off to school and then you get to work and you're like trying to like answer all your emails. You have 400 emails in your inbox from one night and then you're trying to answer them and trying to manage, take phone calls. And then you try to just go to lunch, pour into yourself a little bit, go to Burger King, scroll on Instagram, just try to disconnect for a minute so you can have some time to yourself. Then you get back to work and you get in trouble because you weren't supposed to take lunch that long and blah, blah. So you can see how this goes on. And by 3 or 4 p.m. when your kids get home, you walk in the door and you just don't have anything left. And you walk in and there's like dishes piled high and dinner's not cooked. And then you open the mail and you have a credit card bill that you can't pay for. And you can see where the breakdown happens that in and of ourselves, we just don't have enough. Like, there's nothing left, and you all probably know what that feels like. It feels like empty. It feels like you can't find your joy anymore. It feels like, man, I just feel like I'm on autopilot, Groundhog Day, over and over and over again. I'm just trying to make it through the day. This is what living on empty looks like. This is what living with nothing in the tank really feels like. And we're reading a passage like this today, and we're wondering how on earth I'm supposed to hear this when I've got nothing left. What am I supposed to do? Well, I want to talk to you today about how living on empty is not the only option. And over here, I don't know if you can see it's great. I'm going to hold it up a little bit. This is a, a hose, you know. Um, when, when you plug a hose into the source, there's an unlimited amount of water. So I didn't plug this hose in, but imagine just go with me. We had baptism a few weeks ago. We're not going to do that again. Um, so you plug the hose in, and there's an unlimited source of water. There's, when it's connected to the source that gives it what it needs, the power to do it, there's an unlimited amount of water so that no longer are you empty by 3 p.m., but you actually have the ability to give abundantly. Like, man, wouldn't you just love to have enough? Just like enough. But what Jesus says, you can have abundantly more. You can actually love your enemies. You can actually turn the other cheek. 
so that no longer do you get in a fight with your spouse, but when you get home, you're not just like, hey, how's the day? Good, awesome, cool, let's go do our things. It's like, what's God doing in your life right now? What? I, I have the energy to talk with my kids in a way that's like giving life to them, where you can call the brother that you've had a fight with for the past three years and say, you know what? I'm sorry. Let's, let's talk. You can look at your spouse in the middle of a fight and you can say, you know what? This is my fault. I'm, I'm sorry. This is, uh, let's just stop and let's just, let's just restart this whole thing. So when you put your kids down, you, you don't just like put them in bed and at 7 p.m. you pray that they don't need water 400 times and then have to go to the bathroom a million times, but you can actually like be with them and read them scripture and have abundantly more than what you would even need just to get through the day. Man, this is easier said than done, though, if we're going to be honest. Um, and I think that what we see in this passage is two different ways that Jesus gives us a little bit of insight in how to live a life that is abundantly full of love and what it looks like to live like Jesus. And the first one is this. There's two of them. The first one is this. Love without constraint. Love without what? Constraint. constraint. You see, in verse 38 through 42, it says this, but I say, Jesus said this, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If the soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You see, Jesus was specifically talking about something that I like to call our tendency for stingy. Man, like sometimes we can be stingy <laughs> and Jesus just doesn't operate that way. We see these four illustrations and if we're going to be honest, these are extreme examples. Like if you were listening to Jesus's teaching and he said something like this, like a government official can come up to you and demand you go and do something and Jesus is like, yes, go do that, except do it double. Like what would I, I like, our, I don't think our responses would be like, yes, that is exactly what I want to do right now. If someone like literally came up to you and slapped you on the cheek, like that's crazy. That's never happened to me before, but I don't know what I would do. Definitely not like, here, do the other one. I just, I like, that's crazy. These are extreme examples. And this is the truth that I've found. On a good day, you and I give our love in moderation to the people we like. Like on a good day, on a good day, we have the capacity to give our love and moderation to the people that we like. And I know this all too well, and I'm going to be super vulnerable and honest and share a story with you that displays this very well. And a few months ago in the fall time, we had something that we called CORES, and it was our church meeting in our house for three services a week, and it was so fun. And, man, it was like one of the coolest expressions of church that I've ever been a part of. Um, but it was like a little bit, it had, it had a cost at some times because we were opening our home like three times a week um, and or more. And then we would cook for people and eat and worship and it was so fun. But like towards the end, and if I'm going to be real, I got a little like burned out. I started living on empty a little bit with sharing my stuff. I don't know if you guys are like this. Like, what's your house? It's like, this is my stuff. Like, this is my plates. And I don't want my plates getting broken. I don't want, like, I don't know. It's just like, it was hard sometimes for me. And I had, it was like, the middle of um, October, and I had just gotten this apple cider from the pumpkin patch. And I'm not like a crazy person who drinks apple cider in the middle of the year. No, you save apple cider till the fall. And this was my first one. So I got apple cider. 
and I put it in the fridge, and I was so excited. And later that night, Matt was like, hey, we should put the apple cider out for cores. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> and like, it was, guys, it's embarrassing. It's just like pathetic. And I know. And it's so pathetic that I actually like mentioned it to people at cores. I'm like, I don't want to share my apple cider, but here you go. Here's a glass. Like, <laughs> I was just praying that nobody would pick it up and pour it. It was like, this is so stupid that I was like so concerned about people like taking some of the apple cider that I wanted but the problem was that I was living on empty <laughs> and so I mentioned it to people and I was like I went to bed angry about it that night if you can imagine that was like where I was at and literally the next week the people that I mentioned it to actually brought like full gallons of apple cider with them the next week I had five gallons of apple cider <laughs> and that's not like the most pathetic thing in the entire world and I was so grateful and I was slightly embarrassed. But the thing is, is like we all have apple cider moments like that where we're just like, I have nothing left to give. <laughs> I don't want to do this. And what Jesus is calling us to is to look at things a little differently. And if we're not careful, we begin to live our lives with ifs. Like if this person does this, then I will love them. If my spouse gives 50-50, then I will love them more. If my kids listen to me and get good grades, then I'll love them more. Or if my friend stops asking me about my spiritual life, I'll start loving them a little bit more and actually hang out with them. You know, I think sometimes that, I think sometimes we live our life with these constraints on people because we just don't have anything else to give. And what Jesus is saying is being a true follower of Jesus is being generous in our relationships. You know, we don't love because we think someone earned it. We love because we didn't earn it and Christ loved us anyways. I'm going to say that again. We don't love because we think someone has earned it. We love because we didn't earn it and Jesus loved us anyways. He was above and beyond generous and, I, um, and a theologian named Oswald Chambers wrote this quote, and I think it um, says it perfectly. If we can go ahead. Yeah, perfect. The knowledge that God has loved me beyond all limits will compel me to go into the world and love others the same way. I may get irritated because I have to live with an unusually diffi difficult person. <laughs> but just think of how disagreeable I have been with God. Am I prepared to be identified so closely with the Lord Jesus that his life and his sweetness will continually be poured out through me? Neither natural love nor God's divine love will remain and grow in me unless it's nurtured. Love is spontaneous, but it has to be maintained through discipline. Now take a moment and ask yourself, are you living with ifs? Are you living in a contracted state where you put constraint on relationships around you. And Jesus is saying, instead of having our love in moderation to the people we like, what would it actually mean to give our love abundantly for the relationships around us? So the first way that we live out love like Jesus did is, li is love without constraint. The second one is this, love without complaint. Love without complaint. Verse 43 says this, you have heard the law say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love those who love you, what reward is there? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. 
If you are kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Why is this crazy? Why is it crazy that Jesus is saying this? It's crazy because Jesus stepped into a conversation that people were not having. No one had ever said anything like this up until that point. At that time, people were dealing with their relationships from the, either the old law that told them how to like get retribution with other people, or they were just like super systematic, like if you have an eye for an eye. So literally someone stabs you in the back, stab them in the back. If they take something from you, take something back. And this Jesus flipped the, flips the scripts and gives us a super fiercely relational application. Step towards people and love your enemies. He could have said anything like, okay, here's this conversation and how to have this conversation, perfect, blah, 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 blah. But no, he just like says, love them. Love your enemies. He just wants us to step towards people. And what Jesus is speaking here is um, like when it says love your neighbors, people actually thought that meant like, oh, my proximal neighbors, the people that live next to me. And Jesus is like, ugh, no. <laughs> love, like everyone is your neighbor, even the people that hate you and that you hate are your neighbors and we're called to love them. If we're actually going to live by the words of Jesus, then we have to learn something about the journey of loving people who actively hate us. Have you ever felt someone that's been against you? Have you ever felt like, man, this person like doesn't like me? <laughs> um, well, I remember there was a time in high school when I went to a sleepover with my friends and I thought they were my friends, but I woke up the next morning and while I was asleep, they had gone out to my car and like trashed my car and like, like rode all over the windows and like opened the doors and like trashed the inside of my car. And I woke up and saw it when I went to go leave. And I remember just feeling like really, really hurt, really crushed that someone would do something like that. And I remember thinking like, okay, maybe they didn't demolish my property, but there was something that like happened in my heart that when that happened. And um, if you would have taken me back to 16 year old Holly, I don't think in that moment I could have said, yeah, I love these people. Like, I, you know, I'm just going to turn the other cheek. You know, I was in a real hard space there with loving people that would do something like that to me. And that's, you know, and that's a, a small example, but I think it represents this idea that all of us have experienced people doing things to us that have really deeply hurt us. Yet, Jesus says, love our enemies. We even see the tax collectors, like the people who were super really hated at that time. They're like the IRS now, but they're tax collectors and they, people didn't like them. And, the, and even Jesus said, you know, like show love to those people. And those people can show love to people that they like, but it takes really a different, like a God inspired love to love people that don't like you. Like when I look at Lively, she like loves me. Like it's crazy. And like, I love her. It's easy to love her. But if there was somebody that hated me, and that would be a lot harder for me to love those people. We see Jesus here. He actually runs toward the people who hated him. And I want to just like stop here for a minute because I want to remind us all today that we should be really, really grateful that Jesus is a person who runs to people who hated him because unfortunately, you and I were those people. You and I were the people that mocked him, that that turn our backs to him, that we had nothing in common with Jesus. And yet he like loved us so much that he was willing to die for you and for me. We were the ones outside of his tribe and Jesus's heart for you and I is to draw near to us without complaint. 
like the people who criticized him. Listen, if you're here today, I want you to listen to this one thing, and it's up on the screen. This is this is like probably the maybe the most important part of my message today. Jesus stands with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. That Jesus actually stands with you because of your sin, not against you because of your sin, without complaint. That he stands right by you, even though we were the ones that turned our back on him. There's this quote um, from another theologian that has really deeply impacted me as I was preparing for this message. And it served as a really intense reminder for me because I think sometimes I forget this too. And it said this, to know that from eternity, my maker, foreseeing my sin, foreloved me and resolved to save me, though it would be at the cost of Calvary. To know that the divine son appointed from eternity to be my savior and that in love he became man for me and died for me and now lives to intercede for me and one day will come in person to take me home. To know that the Lord who loved me and gave himself for me and who came and preached peace to me through his messengers has by his spirit raised me from spiritual death to life-giving union and communion with himself and has promised to hold me fast and never let go. And this is the knowledge that brings overwhelming gratitude and joy. Jesus saw us and befriended us and died for us. And this is the truth of Jesus' heart for you. What would it look like for you to stand with the people that you have nothing in common with? What would it look like for you to stand with the people who have different political views than you or have different religious views or parenting views than you? So you could be hearing this from two different places this week.
love you and ask your blessing on the rest of our morning in Jesus' name.